Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. And welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. And Joe's back. Joe's back. How you feeling, Joe? You feeling better? Uh, yeah. A lot of, you know, it's just the stress is eating me up, I think, a little bit. At least that's what the doc says. So I needed to take a break. So I did. I took a break. Well, that's good. Um, we have a jam-packed show today. We have one interview with Eric from the podcast Dad Talk today. We're going to be talking about fatherlessness. Not, not, the, not the Eric. No, Different Eric. No. Different <laughs> Eric. Different yeah. Eric. Different Eric. Um, <laughs> not the same Eric at all. Um, so we'll have that. And then in the second hour, we're going to have, um, you want to ex- explain who we have in the second hour? So in the second hour, we, uh, it's all confirmed, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. In the second hour, we have John Eastman. And for those of you who don't know John Eastman, John Eastman is the man that was at the ellipsis on January 6th with President Trump on the stage um, at the Capitol. Um, he is an attorney, a constitutional attorney, and a law professor. And he uh, was uh, basically run out of his uh, position with the University of Colorado. Um, and I think the American University too, I don't know for sure, but he was at the Save America rally on January 6th. He was arguing about what happened. I had met with with John prior to um, uh, the, the, the January 6th rally, and I walked through all the information. He's been able to collect an immense amount of, of more information, and he's been working in Georgia, uh, Arizona, and other states to uncover the fraud that exists or might exist, I should say might exist. Or we're not on YouTube, right? No, uh, but Facebook yeah. will still get us. <laughs> okay, so then we'll just, uh, I'll leave it at that. But anyway, amazing man, uh, definitely a uh, very courageous man and has done quite a bit to kind of uh, get to the bottom of of the concerns that many Americans have related to life. So that'll be, that'll be in the second hour. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Um, but for the first hour, we'll welcome on, him on now. He had some trouble getting his camera on but we have eric the host of dad talk today a, po- a very popular podcast eric welcome to the show hey guys how you doing good good to have you pretty good yeah. where, where are you calling in Thank from you. i'm calling in from columbus georgia okay okay so a, a, a newly blue state <laughs> how, uh, how, how is that yeah. going so far i don't know man i, I don't I don't really believe what's going on. I went and covered Biden actually came and spoke five minutes away from where I live. Not even a hundred people showed up. Uh, he was met by about 500 Trump supporters who were playing. The devil went down to Georgia as he was. Yes. Uh, we, yes. Yeah. We went and covered the, uh, the Trump rally up in Rome. And they said there was about 35,000 people in the airport. But what they weren't showing you is there was twice that many outside waiting to get in. So the fact that they're saying, Oh yeah. Georgia turned blue. I don't know, guys. Yeah. It didn't turn blue, well, but it, it's blue in name only. 
it's a bino. I like it. It's a bino. The, the Arabs might call it albino. Um, so we're having you on, and, we're, and this is a topic that we've talked about on the show a lot. And, and this is a topic that I, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts that you talk about too. The the whole scourge, we, I guess we can call it that, of fatherlessness in the home and, and how I was shocked. One in four ho- kids apparently now are growing up in a house without a father in the home with them. And just all of the unintended consequences, consequences. stemming from that. Or if you're really conspiratorially uh, minded, maybe even intended consequences. Um, so, yeah. So we're, we're going to be talking to you about that. Talk about other topics as they come up. Um, so, Joe, w- what do you want to start with? Well, I, um, I have several people that I mentor that are single moms. And my, my niece is a single mother. And the conversations that they they seem to get together, and I, and again, this is just an experience that I have dealing with with people in my family and other people. Is they said, now we need to cut him out. He's a bad guy. He can't. We he doesn't. My son doesn't need. My daughter doesn't need a a father. And I stop him in their tracks, and I go, "You have no idea what you're saying right now. You have no idea what you're saying right now." that at some point a a fatherly influence needs to be in that child's life and um so i think it's just it's just gotten to the point where um i don't know if we know i don't think we know what the the true consequences are of this but we're seeing it and i think the manifestation of what we have in our society and the the degradation that we we were seeing in in all parts ethical and morally especially is caused by these fatherless environments and and you know being that uh i'm closely tied to the black community that is disproportionately affected by that as you have this you know school to prison pipeline that i i truly do believe exists um and the fact that it's just there's just more more in that environment that's happening more kids that are born in that environment that are born without dads being present it's almost become a joke actually yeah, man. I, you know, I, I think they they've designed it that way. They want people dependent on the government. You know, it, it's funny because uh, about six months ago we had Colonel Allen West on the show, and I didn't know he's from my neck of the woods. And he was saying, you know, back in the '60s and '70s, it's only about 20% of homes in the African American community that were growing up without a father. We're at almost 80% now. Yeah, they've got all these in, in, incentives, and you know, I was talking to Dr. Carson not long ago about what they did you know it's a part of the communist manifesto get the fathers out of the home confuse people about their genders and that's the way you can control a nation well now they're now they're they're you know we've seen this kind of run eric on on our education system where kids are graduating with they can't read they can't write they 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 don't have any great comprehension of math thanks to this common core um, indoctrination of a math, even the math has been pushed to a place where it's confusing kids. Yet they think that now the job of the school is to raise the kids, to teach them about gender fluidity, to teach them about critical race theory, and while leaving all the fundamentals for them to be successful in life, leaving them at the front door. It, it, it's scary. Uh, to you, me. Uh, you bring up a great point, man. You know, I used to wasn't to be. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of homeschooling. But now seeing what's going on in our education system, it feels more like indoctrination camps. 
and I'm uh, starting to promote more of their parents getting involved. You know, I think kids learn so many things at school, being around other kids, how to take up for themselves, necessary life skills. But with what they're being taught, this is very dangerous. They're trying to control everything with our families. Just yesterday in Connecticut, I don't know if you guys heard about this, there was a rally out there with, I think, I forget how many thousands of people. They're actually trying to take away parents' rights to not vaccinate their children. And from what I hear, it went through. It went through. This is scary. The government is about to start controlling our families, guys. And if we don't speak up, um, if they can destroy our families, they've got us. Well, so well, you, you, you have a podcast that deals with fatherly issues, a father's perspective, which is, is, is something yeah. that definitely isn't, isn't mentioned enough in society. We're all being taught now from, the, from woke society that don't talk about male struggles, don't talk about fatherly struggles. You, you kind of just hinted on one, but just to give our viewers uh, an idea of, of what kind of stuff you talk about, what's one of the craziest stories that you've seen so far when it comes to parental rights, um, the father's rights, not being respected, eroded, or even taken away? Guys, I've got so many. Uh, I'd say one of the most asinine I've heard so far is paternity fraud. Uh, that's a huge thing. Uh, kids finding out years later, fathers finding out years later, it was never their kid to begin with. I got one father that uh, his ex knew that he wasn't the dad, her and the baby's biological father were in on it, but he had money. So they made him think that he was the father. Years later, he realizes he doesn't look nothing like me, gets a paternity test, finds out it was never my kid to begin with. So mom ends up getting popped on something and she's got to go to jail. But because they had had that paternity test, the uh, custody actually goes to the biological father, whom the father who was a victim of paternity fraud is now paying child support to. Wow. That's a real thing. I I mean, how do you even, I mean, you can't make this stuff up guys. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, uh, i I'm a firm, I'm a firm believer of a very simple concept of equal rights means equal fights. And uh, if we're going to have equal rights in this country, then it should truly be equal. Um, you, the law has not caught up to equality as, as feminists claim that they want. Yep. I mean, not even just that, just, just, just with rape laws, right? If, if, a, if a woman says she's raped, she's to be believed in most states. If a man makes the same claim, he's not to be believed. Um, even, even things like, like uh, child support. The child support laws have not caught up to the notion of not, not only that, men being defrauded, paternity fraud, but also the idea that the woman can actually be the the breadwinner in a household. I've seen cases of women getting paid alimony from a husband who made less than her because the laws are set up to discriminate on the basis on the basis of sex. It's incredible. So I absolutely believe that story. Oh, man, you know, and they know that it's going on, guys. Uh, I think a lot of the politicians don't want it to get better. You know, Reagan said one of the worst things that he did when he was in office was no-fault divorce. And uh, he admitted that, but he realized it a little too late. Uh, later on, they made something called Title IV-D of the Social Security Act because so many single mothers were getting government assistance. It was putting a little bit of a drain on the state. So they started um, reimbursing like two-thirds of every dollar with the state assistance from child support. The federal government would give back to the states to help them offset this. It was meant to be a good thing. Well... 
now it's in their best interest to whoever makes the most money is the one that pays child support because the state is making incentives off of that. And we're seeing that a little bit of everywhere. And that's why you're getting these stories that doesn't make much sense. Uh, we can't have incentives to break up families. Um, and I don't know how anybody would want to profit off the destruction of families in the first place. But Title 4D, there's other ways that it makes money. If you're a father that is paying child support and it's coming out of your check on a weekly basis, bi-weekly basis, you usually get charged anywhere from 3 to $5 a, a week um, for processing fees. Now, that might not seem like much, but when you times that times 25 million parents that are paying child support in the United States of America, it's a big number. you're looking at around 75 to $125 million a month or a week. Yeah. Sorry. That's a lot of money, guys. Yeah. So. Well, and so I want to tell you that uh, I came from a split family, right? And, right. Um, and, I, and I was married first, and then I got divorced, had two kids. Um, I paid alimony, I paid child support and, uh, you know, I don't regret any of that. Right. Um, uh, but I was actively involved in my kid's life. I, I don't think I missed a soccer game or a fencing match or I was always involved in my kid's life. Um, and I think that the fear that I had is that my kids would not have my influence in their life. So it became very important to me. There is another part of this that we have to look at and that is, that as, as young men are being raised up, they're being raised up with the expectation that they don't have to be there once they've fathered a child. They, they don't have the same, there's not the same focus on the family, focus on those kids to say, hey, listen, I, I grew up without a father, look at me, I'm okay, let me just go out there and procreate, right? And not take responsibility for those kids. So the system is actually a double-edged sword. You have the fathers that really wanna take care of their kids, that wanna be a part of it, that, that get, sometimes the system just works against them. You have other parents that don't wanna be a part of their lives that are paying child support. You have the problem with you know, paternity uh, fraud, right? You have, it, it's crazy. Now they're allowing um, same-sex cu couples to do in vitro. I don't even know how a kid can grow up today and not be confused and not try to figure out, okay, what is that pathway? There is no natural pathway anymore because they've they've disrupted all of it. Now it's just you can do whatever you want. Any anything goes. And and I think that that, you know, is going to lead from you know, in the, at least the black community, it's going to lead from 80% fatherless environments to probably 90, 95%. It's just getting worse, not getting better, it's getting worse. Well, it, and it's definitely heading that way. We have actually, our divorce rate is at an all-time high, but the percent of kids that are getting married is at an all-time low. Yeah. And when you see how the system is designed, I can't blame them. I believe in marriages. I believe in strong families. But right now, 55% of them are getting divorced. And if you're a father, man, there's people that are spending 200, 300, 400 thousand, uh, up to a million dollars trying to be a parent to their child. They're spending their, their savings. That's a college fund for those kids. And then the, the courts are saying it's behind the best interest of the child. That's not the best interest of the child. It's a business. It's a yeah. $55 billion a year industry that they do not want to end. And, you know, speaking about the fathers that don't want to take responsibility, those are very few and far between. I think you saw more of that uh, decades ago. Yeah. But now for every one deadbeat that doesn't want anything to do with his kids, there's a hundred over here fighting tooth and nail to be inside of their kids' lives, but that system is so biased. You got this system that was taught to these family law court judges and attorneys. It's called the Duluth model. 
uh, it says that 90% of the time, the man is going to be the abuser. He's going to be the one that cheats. He uses male privilege. They're taught this. So when you go into family court, there's already that bias against you that, you know, you're guilty until proven innocent. And in the United States of America, it's supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. Nine out of 10 of these fathers, when they go in there, they're going to be non-custodial fathers. If they get every other weekend or once a month, that's looked at as normal. And that's sad. That's sad. Our kids need their daddies. They definitely need their daddies. I always laugh when I hear a Democrat. You hear it very often nowadays. Some Republicans say it too, but the whole notion of follow the science. Believe the science. The science tells us statistics. We should believe it. But they never want to follow the science when it comes to other things. And with this issue, it seems like the science is settled. I was just in prepping for the show, going through some of it. Crazy, crazy numbers. If, if you grow up in a one-parent household without a father in the home, you have a four times greater risk of living in poverty. You're more likely to have behavioral problems. Two times greater risk um, to have infant mortality. More likely to go to prison. More likely to commit crimes. Seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen yourself if you're a teen girl growing up without a dad in the home. More likely to face abuse and neglect, abuse drugs and alcohol. Two times more likely to be obese. Two times more likely to drop out of high school. We, I, I always like to mention this when we talk about how do we fix, Joe calls it the, the school to prison pipeline, whatever you want to call it. The, the way you fix endemic poverty is, is three things. You graduate from high school. You don't have a kid until you are married or at least in a com- very committed relationship and you get a job, right? But uh, apparently right. this is another, we should add a fourth. I, I'm shocked at these numbers. Why is it? They, why do you think that, whether we call, want to call them Democrats, big government types, why do you think that they don't want to encourage father figures in the home? Because the data is so clear and, and so obvious that that should be what we want to happen. But as, as you just mentioned, there's this whole narrative, of, oh, well, it's okay if you, if you don't want to have a father in the home. It's okay. It's your journey. It's your truth. Why do you think that, that government isn't promoting this when it's so obviously a key variable in, in so many different issues plaguing our society. Oh man, I thank you for asking that question. It's something I talk about very often. I want to throw two more statistics in it before I answer it for you though. Uh, Suicide rates in men above the age of 20 are seven times higher than that of women. 26 out of 27 of the mass shooters that we've had came from fatherless homes. These are alarming statistics guys, alarming statistics. When you're talking about the Democrats and why they don't want to push it, They pander for votes, women's rights, domestic violence, LGBTQ, all these things. They they pander for those votes so they know that if they give a father, you can't even mention a father when you go in there to talk to them about getting some type of legislation unless they have a family member that has been affected by it. Then they'll actually sit down and listen to you sometimes, and that's not always cut and dry. Uh, Here in the state of Georgia, it was the Democrat that opened their office up to me, and the Republicans didn't want to speak, and that's after we came back from CPAC interviewing all of the big conservatives. So it's not always a cut and dry thing, but most of the time it is. And uh, I think they've got that, that base that they do not want to upset. Uh, their Domestic violence is just as big of an industry as family law. They go hand in hand. I think they get a lot of money from that. And they want to protect that at all costs. Yeah. I'm so, a little bit more so, skeptical. I, I see government trying to step in and say that, oh, you don't need a father. Government can be the father. Government can give you the check. That will pay for the meals. Government will give you the EBT card, the food stamps to be able to pay for your meal. We see it the same with church. You don't need a church. Government 
will will be giving you charity, right? So I'm, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I do also think that there is a is a government aspect to this too, where the government doesn't want fathers in the homes because the government wants more welfare. They want more people. They want more control. It's self perpetuating. Well, so, yeah, so half these politicians are attorneys. <laughs> half uh, of these politicians. It's not just are half. Attorneys. It's They're almost seventy percent. Yes, they are protecting their own self-interest. That's why we got to be very transparent and make sure that we're not just voting by party, but we got to know what's going on because they will block some of this legislation and trying to fix this issue with some of the most asinine things that you've ever heard. And uh, they don't want that industry to end. This is a big, big business. And, you know, I saw not long ago, I got really upset when Biden was talking about this stimulus. He was like, what is this American Rescue Act? This means so much money for a single mom of four. He never mentions anything about fathers. He just made a gender uh, council. It's for women, LGBTQ, gay. The one thing he didn't mention, men. To me, there's only two genders. You got men and women. But the other side of that, he leaves out every single time. It's an attack on males. It's an attack on men. They know they, they can take the fathers out. They're going to win this. And so far, that's proved true. Now you see all the kids right now. They don't even know what they are. You know, I walk into Target and all of the girls look like boys and all of the boys look like girls. And I'm like, what's going on here? I mean, we're living in some very weird times and we need fathers now more than ever. Well, and I, I want to bring up some other statistics as you started talking about this, because this right here should shock all of our listeners. I mean, it should shock you. It should it should shock you to the core. Now, we already know, Eric, I, I am I am unapologetic about what I think of the Democrat Party. Um, I think they are a party that is complete trash. I think they've done everything to destroy everything that we're, we stand for, and they have a track record for destroying it. But right here, here's something really interesting. 43% of children in the U.S. live without a father. 43%, right? 90% of the homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 90%, 90, 90. 80%, this is scary. 80% of, of rapists motivated with displaced anger come from fatherless homes. 80%. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 71% of pregnant teenagers lack a father. 90% of adolescent, excuse me, 85% of children who exhibit a behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 71% um, of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions have no father. 85% of youths in prison grow up in fatherless homes. Fatherless boys and girls are twice, twice as likely to drop out from high school, twice as likely to end up in jail, four times more likely to end up needing emotional behavioral assistance and 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 here here's what that equates to you're talking about five times 32 times 20 times the average for these these different things that statistics about kids that come from those environments and you would think that this would be the this would be the pandemic this would be the thing that we'd say all right we've got to do something about this because it's destroying our society but no no Let's just move the goalposts on accountability. Let's just take those away and just say you could be whatever you want so that we can mesh or hide all of these things that are being created by this, uh, I was gonna say something that probably got me banned, by this <laughs> evil demonic uh, ideology and indoctrination of our children. Yeah. You know, I watched on election night as Hillary Clinton told everybody to vote like a mother. 
<laughs> it's like there's so many times that they just leave us out. And guys, I mean, even doing this show and talking about like father's rights and the fatherless epidemic, we get so much opposition. And it's hard because it, the one thing I can say about women and when they stand up for women's rights, when they when they do, they fill up the streets. Guys, they're at work. They can't show up. Right. They've done such a good job at sweeping it under the rug. And men have been told, you know what? Just man up, brush it off. You got to keep going. When the Titanic went down, who was the first ones on the ship? Women and children. Men were men have always been expendable. We send them off to war, and I think that narrative has been going for so long. It's not just the laws we've got to change. We've got to change the narrative on what a father brings to their kid. You know, I grew up the son of a pastor. My dad was a very strong role model in my life. If I wanted something, I went and talked to mom. She, most of the time, she was going to let me get it. If I went and talked to my dad, it wasn't happening. He was hard on me. And, you know, as, as a kid, I needed that discipline. I look at it as a father kind of like a coach. They're going to push you, but they want you to give your best. And I also knew that if I go and do something I wasn't supposed to do, there was going to be consequences when I got home. Right now, these kids, they don't have consequences. You look at talking about the African-American community, 8% fatherless homes right now. Look at the gang culture and what's going on. These these guys, I know it's easy to look at them and the, the activity that's going on, but they're going there for a sense of community, for a sense of family. A lot of them are not getting that at home because they don't have a father. There's and, so many places where a father in the home could be the answer. It's the number one issue that I believe we're facing as a society, and Candace talks about it all the time. Um, we're starting to see some more of our uh, guys start to speak up about it, and I believe it should be a main platform issue. And until we get out there and start making it a conversation more and more, it's going to go by the wayside. But I think times are changing. It's really starting to uh, get a little fired. Well, I'm going to tell you that I, I actually volunteer, volunteered for the incarcerated youth program in Colorado. And I had four, four boys that I um, walked through and mentored. Now, here's a great statistic. All four of those kids, their dad was not present. Actually, that's not true. Three out of the four, the dad was not present. The fourth one, his dad was just a, a drug, drug addicted, in and out of jail, show up every now and then, wanting him to go drink with him. And it, it, it was nuts. It was nuts what these, these kids were dealing with. But all four of these kids, when I would sit down with them, and ask him, what do you regret the most? It was like, a, I had this question and answer that I would walk through with them. And I go, what do you regret the most? Every single one of them talked about the fact that their dad was never there. Like it hurt them. It hurt them knowing that their dad wasn't there. They didn't feel like they were equally yoked. Typically, uh, three of them, their dad would talk badly about, or excuse me, their mom would talk badly about their dad. So they, they never got an opportunity to get that connection with him. Right. And yet all four of these, all four of these boys now, three of them are married. They have kids. The fourth one's not married, but they're all doing well, have jobs, never got in trouble again. They call me all the time. They come by my house and, and have dinner with the family. These are good boys that I've gotten to know their, I've gotten to know their families. And the thing that I did in that environment over a, almost a, a decade, depending on, I had two or three, you know, that there were, that I was mentoring them. I was meeting them when I first met them in a youth prison. That's where I was meeting them, the youth prison. And I would get be able to take them away for a couple hours on one day if they did really well. So just, just having that influence, just having someone that's a, that's a fatherly influence influencing their lives, I think changed the trajectory of these kids' lives. And, and if we get back to a place where we can bring fathers back into the home, 
And, and I don't know what the answer is. Eric, I really don't know what the answer is. I, I feel lost. I did my little part for these four, for these four men, right? Um, right. But, but the, you know, I feel, I feel like we talk about it, but we don't come up with a plan where we can execute against it. And we're terrible at it, honestly. <laughs> we're terrible at that part. Right. Well, I tell you, Kentucky passed some legislation back in 2018, and this is what we're trying to get our legislators across the country. I, I just came back from Texas two days ago. We had a hearing at the Capitol. 150 people showed up and testified in, on behalf of this bill. It's called shared parenting legislation, which means upon divorce, we would rather divorce not happen. But if divorce happens, mom and dad are created equal. They both have to do what's in the best interest of the child. We're taking competition out of it. They have equal rights. Mom has them one week. Dad has them the next week. There's always going to be factors where somebody lives out of town and there might be a need for a custodial parent. But most of these parents don't even need to go in family court in the first place. You're taking two people that at one point in time loved each other enough to get married and have a child. Somewhere along the line, they hit a snag, so they're, they're not getting along. Then we put them inside a family court where they're fussing over the house, the dog, the money, retirement funds, and then the kid got, gets caught in the middle. Every time we have a winner inside a family court, the child is the one that loses because they need both parents. Unfortunately, you know, years ago, you hear so many of these uh, stories where dad wasn't around, uh, but, you know, mental health wasn't a really big topic then like it is now. You got something known as parental alienation where one parent will brainwash the child into not wanting the other parent. Most of the time, it's the custodial parent that does this with the non-custodial parent. Uh, we're seeing that now, but they didn't have this to go by back then. And when you've got laws that favor the women, 85% is the average on national. If a father goes and spends every dime he's got, 85% of the time, he's going to end up getting every other weekend, once a month, if he gets that. Then we've got another very big thing that's going on, which is false accusations. Guys, we see this in politics. Look what happened to Brett Kavanaugh. All she had to do was make that accusation with no proof, yeah. and Brett was on the stand having to defend himself. And guess what happens to her if he can prove his innocence? nothing the same thing's going nothing. on in family court all i got to do is say you molested your child or you hit somebody i don't need no proof of it because that accusation is such a horrible thing we look at that person as guilty until proven innocent now i had a father back in february he had been fighting for the past three years to get his children he had had an accusation of molestation then there was an accusation of abuse he went and proved every way up and down that he was innocent. He, he took what was called a psychosexual assessment test to see if he even had the tendencies. They said not only did he pass, he passed when the, the lowest score they had ever seen. Well, then his uh, ex said that he had abused her at one of the custody drop-offs, and this is in the middle of nowhere. So I guess she thought, well, nobody got to see it. Well, they had cameras. He didn't get nowhere near yeah. What did the courts do? They were going to put a temporary restraining order on her, and he was going to get custody of his kids. This is in North Dakota. So what did she do? She fled all the way to Idaho to where it started all over again because she went over state lines. He had to go fight it again. And when he gets over there, he gets completely exonerated. He was supposed to get custody of his kids after this three-year-long battle. He showed up in the parking lot in February to get his kids, and he was met by his ex-father-in-law who put three bullets in him and killed him, killed him. This is a couple of months after he was on my show, and the first time I meet him, I'm standing over his casket. There's no consequences wow. for these false allegations. We've got to get consequences to me. If I make an accusation towards you that could ruin your whole life, your reputation that could put you in jail for 20 or 40 years oh, yeah. or even life, 
you should face that same consequence. And if you have yeah. those consequences yeah. in there, people will think twice before they make them. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we saw that. You mentioned Kavanaugh. We saw that not just with the, the main accuser who said, oh, the only evidence I have is I told beach friends about it a couple of years ago. There were other allegations that were just completely proven false. And they actually recanted and said they were liars, and they haven't been prosecuted, right? They, they people right. recanted and said, "Yeah, I completely made it up. It was false. Sorry." And that, that's that's perjury. That's giving false statements to the United States Senate. That is a crime. But yeah, I, I, I've we've been advocating that too. This the same premise. Whatever you're accusing someone of, if it turns out that you lied and you did it for malicious reasons, then you should face the same kind of penalty. That they face it. If you accuse someone of raping you, and and rape carries a, a ten to twenty year sentence, whatever state you're in, you shouldn't get off with a slap on the wrist for perjuring yourself, right? And they yeah. should have to prosecute the perjurers because these are these statements are being made in family court. Obviously, it's not the same kind of court as you'd see at in a federal or, or other kind of district, but it's still they're lying under oath to a judge. There should be consequences. And yeah, as, as, until you're, you're right, until that you disincentivize, seriously disincentivize lying under oath in those ways, people are going to keep doing it because they think that they have all the upside. Yeah, man. I mean, what happened with that with Brett? I mean, even though he won, he's still going to have that black cloud over his head for the rest of his life because of that allegation that was made. And, you know, we know what it was. Democrats just didn't want him in there. You know, they got somebody to make the allegation, and that's how easy it is to do this. And when you've already got that narrative, say 90% of the time, dad isn't going to get custody and those accusations on top without the consequences. I mean, we're facing one of the biggest epidemics out there. Um, it's so easy to sweep it under the rug, and that's what really scares me, knowing that half of our politicians are attorneys. Those are special interests. There is big money, big money put into these campaigns to make sure that this type of legislation doesn't get through. And it only takes one person to block it. And uh, yeah. usually that's the one that's bought off by the bar. And that's the that's the challenges that we're facing right now. Uh, Arkansas just passed this legislation that I was telling you about in Kentucky um, three weeks ago. In Kentucky, our, our main opposition is domestic violence. They say if you give dad equal custody to mom, you're going to be war a warden, all of these abusers. In the first year in Kentucky that that bill was passed, domestic violence went down 30%. Now, that's huge. Did domestic violence go down 30% or the allegation? Because that's what's used in family court so much. I think these are statistics that we need to be looking at and pushing it out to every legislator across this country. But but here's the problem, Eric. Those legislators are, they are lawyers. It, it is a self-perpetuating yep. problem because we don't have enough people that are rising up in their community and running for office and, and dethroning these, these attorneys. We think that, oh, so we have these meetings. We have these meetings at FEC United. We started this organization. We have these meetings. And I will tell everyone, I was like, look, everyone, I want everybody to stand up. And I'll make everyone have, you know, three to 500 people that are in the room and they all stand up. And I'm like, great. You have now all volunteered to run for office. <laughs> and they all sit down <laughs> as quickly as possible. But, but I say to them, you know, hey, the, one of the comments that came to me right off the bat was, I don't have experience. And I was like, well, if you haven't noticed, neither have neither do they. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, bad experience. They're, ter they're not terrible. Than no experience. They, these people are awful. And so I think as as a society, we have to start making different sacrifices and recognizing in that we have to speak truth. 
and we're not speaking truth. Right. We, and truth gets gets suppressed. It gets it gets censored. We got big tech. They don't want you to hear it either. Nobody wants you to hear it because there's opportunity and chaos. And these people that are legislators, that are lawyers, that are doing the things that they're doing, some of them are good people. But vast majority of them, let's just be honest, most of our legislators across the country are trash. They're just not good people. They're letting laws get through that shouldn't. And they're suppressing and kicking laws that actually protect the rights of fathers, mothers, children, right? The things that should be dear to our society, we're letting that get eroded. Well, it's the one that gets the most money that usually gets in. And I hate to say it, but that's usually it. The ones that's got good morals, it's hard for them to get in yeah. office. We see all the special interests. I mean, we see after the election, guys, gas went on almost a dollar. I mean, there's so many different things when it comes to big pharma and uh, the bar association that influences these elections. I think one thing is exposing the the people that are donating to these campaigns. Why are they involved in it? Making sure we know who we're voting for. Um, I'm a conservative. I, I have conservative values, but at the same time, I want to make sure I'm not just going to vote for somebody because he's with the party. Because I'll tell you, I've talked to plenty of Republicans that are just as bad guys. Uh, I mean, we see, I, I told you about the state of Georgia down here. I couldn't even get a meeting with them. And uh, it really boggles my mind um, how many of these people are in office right now finding out that they're attorneys. And when you hear the arguments that they make against this and the way they talk about fathers, it, I have to really bite my lip sometimes because we know what's going on. We know what's going on. So we me, do need people that are going to run for office and make change. What's that? So – Aside from obviously, there's the the family court aspect of it of, of families being split up in family court that shouldn't be that way. Lies being talked about. We had a caller, I believe it was last week, Tyrone, and he was mentioning we were, we were talking about a different issue. We were talking about police reform, police enforcement, and he was talking about how you go you go to the projects and everyone's driving really nice cars, and you scratch your head and you're like, well, how are you driving this fifty sixty thousand dollar car, but you have government assistant housing and food stamps and all that. Another part of this is, is that government, if, if we're being completely honest, government has incentivized people who are living in poverty to have more kids because they do receive more benefits for those kids. And there's no actual oversight to make sure that the money that, that these single parents are getting for their kids are actually being used on the kids. And there's, and there's no, there's no real proving of it. Right? So, Right. From my vantage point, we, we need we need to make it so that having more kids with without a, a, a two parent household, it can't be a profitable enterprise. Right. And, and that's not to say right. that that's not to say anything against people who are single parents who need the help because without it, they just they they drown in, in, in all the expenses. That's not saying anything about that. But we do know that there are people out there who are defrauding the system. Um, either claiming they have more kids than they actually do, which is something that the illegal alien community does very often, um, or just having kids and not really putting the money into the kids. Um, so the problem I see with that is to actually go after that, to actually try and crack down on that. You're going to come up with, going to come up against the same lies you hear from Democrats. Oh, well, you're just racist. Oh, well, you just don't care about women's rights. You don't care about strong, independent women, right? You're just trying to take money out of food stamps because you hate, African-Americans or whatever, in, insert minority here. How do we how do we fix that broken system and combat well the talking points yeah. we know we're going to get at us? 
you know, that's the crazy thing. We talk about strong, independent women, but yet you're saying mom needs full custody of the kids and needs to have them all the time where she can't be an independent woman. Level out the playing field. Give dad half the time so you can go and work on your career and he can help you out. Stop, you know, worrying about the money. I, I believe we should know what they're spending that child support on. I believe child support in some cases are is necessary, but there should be a cap on that. It's not taking five to $10,000. I got a father here in Georgia that makes $225,000 a year, guys. After child support and alimony, he's bringing home $25 a week on his paycheck. It's not taking that much what? to take care wow. of that kid. But you go back. Wait, hold on a second. $25? $25 after he pays child support and alimony. He makes $225,000 a year on the verge of suicide. I'll get on the phone and talk to these guys. I bought them counselors because nobody's listening to them. Could well, you imagine only bringing home $25? It's like because yeah. you got a divorce, you don't matter. You, wait, hold on a second. Time, time out. Twenty, twenty-five. That doesn't even make any sense. And this gets back to Eric holding the judges responsible, right? There's no accountability there either. There's no accountability in our judicial system. No. They get to do whatever they want, act with impunity, and punish fathers, punish them until yep. what? Until what happens? Until he doesn't pay, and then they put him in jail and say, "Oh, I'm sorry," or he kills himself, and they're like, "Oh, see, you don't have a father." It's the vengeance that I have an issue with. It's the vengeance of the of the system, how the system's developed. Let's take everything we can from this person. It's crazy. It's, to me, it's nuts. It's nuts. But you go back to that Duluth model, like I was talking about earlier, that attorneys and judges are taught that 90% of the time the man's going to be the abuser. He's going to be the one that cheated. And, you know, it's just not true. It's just not true. And these judges have that judicial immunity. A lot of them are old school. We've got a lot of new judges that are running for office. They're just not making it in because people vote for the name that they're used to. Uh, you need to get involved. You need to make sure some of these guys are getting out there yeah. and getting in office. Have conversations with them. Know who you're voting for. That is so important, guys. As much I know a lot of people don't want to get involved in politics. You've got to. If you want to change the world, you got to know who you're electing. But Title 4D of the Social Security Act. Again, the more that's paid in child support, the more that uh, single moms or whoever is living off of child support and these government incentives, the more the state is making. They want that. They want that because it just lines their pocketbooks. They're making very big bonuses off of how much child support is collected. And I can't tell you everything about that system because it's very complex. But Title 4D, E, and the, uh, C are very, very dangerous. And it's really what causes this whole problem. If we can get the incentives out, I think this whole system will just take care of itself. So I'm looking at Georgia's law specifically for alimony. Yeah. And yeah, I agree that the judges are, some of these judges are terrible, but it's written into the law that the judges have the ability to make these calculations based on factors that are completely subjective. So qualifying for alimony, they look at the couple's marital standard of living. The length of the marriage, each yep. spouse's age, physical and emotional health, both spouses, financial resources, the time necessary for the support, supported spouse to acquire sufficient training to find an appropriate employment, the contributions they made to the marriage. Did they work or did they do childcare? Right. So uh, as crazy as it is for someone to be making over 200K and after child support and alimony, you'd be taking home just 25 bucks uh, a, pay a paycheck, the law is written in a way that allows the the judge to make that calculation. If he's treating his wife like a total queen, 
bring home good money, and she, and he's given her a, a very wealthy standard of living. The law in Georgia says that they can take that into account, and she deserves to keep having that standard of living. If he's working a full time job, she has no training, right? They're allowed to make the 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 determination that she needs more money so she can go to school, so she can get a degree. So, as horrible as the judges are, you're right. It's 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 as I'm looking at this, it's these cro- crooked politicians who are writing this. And I understand that some women in battered situations where they're really abused need this help to get back on their feet. But as I'm looking at this, I'm shocked how open-ended this is and how much discretion the judge has to decide on alimony. The child support seems to be more according to a formula, uh, but alimony seems wide open for interpretation. Oh, yeah. I mean, they they can basically say whatever they want. And, you know, think about that. You're you're paying that much money you're working you're giving your whole life to work you're only seeing the kids once a month and she doesn't have to do anything and, you know i go back to no fault divorce you know marriage is a, is a contract we really should have government out of our marriages to begin with honestly it's supposed to be a covenant between you and your spouse and god but you know no fault divorce you know adultery used to be against the law now it doesn't hold any weight inside of court so this person that you are being committed to, that you're taking care of, you're taking care of the families, you're being a great father, they can go cheat on you. They can be on drugs. They can do so many different things, guys. I've seen, I just talked to a father last week. His uh, ex left their kid in a bar. <laughs> and the security guard heard the kid screaming and crying and busted out the window, got him, called the cops. And guess what? They let custody stay with the mom. You know, no-fault divorce is is a very big problem because if somebody wasn't doing what they were supposed to be doing in the marriage, then they can just file for divorce, and then they get all these incentives. They get all that money, and then that father is a slave to the system to pay for their lifestyle while they go and get a new boyfriend. This is screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know people who have been on alimony, and they specifically do not get remarried because they want to keep having the alimony. So they're married to another guy in all but – the actual marriage certificate, right? They, they live together, they own cars together, everything. Um, but they're deliberately not tying the knot because they don't want to lose the alimony. There's so much, there's so much fraud there, but you, you never see it prosecuted. You never see anyone go after it because the, I understand the optics are terrible. If the federal government is, is just cracking down on, by definition, single mothers, it's, it's not a good look, right? So th- that's what makes this so hard. How do you do this without coming across as the guy who's trying to take the food out of the mouth of babes? Because that's how they're going to portray it, right? They're going to portray it that you're evil, that, that, you, that you support the male white patriarchy, and you want to stop this poor, innocent woman from taking care of her kids the way she sees fit. Uh, how do you get around that? I, is there a way or, or do you just that. take the Trump method and just bust through it and just say, I don't care, we're doing it? I like that yeah, method. Imagine I'll that. take that method. That one- Go ahead. No, I'll take. The, I was just saying, I'll take the Trump method. Just. <laughs> oh, I, I got you, man. I mean, imagine that a father wanting equal time and for both parents doing what's in the best interest of their child, coming together and co-parenting. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to take all this from a single mom. That's the narrative that they paint. The number one opposition we have when trying to get this equality in uh, in the legislation is domestic violence. They show up if if you do this you're going to be rewarding an abuser and it's just it's so not true guys it's so not true and i try to tell the domestic violence people i'm like we're on the same team you realize these people that are making false allegations to get that upper hand in family court are the ones that's taken away from your voices 
that's the reason nobody believes you anymore because we got so many of them making false allegations. You should want consequences for them too. So you that are actually getting beat, that are actually going through these situations, people take you seriously and your voice counts again. We're all on the same team. Make equality. You know, a 50-50 is a win for a father and family court. 100%. And it's a loss for a woman because she's automatically looked at as going to get full custody. And I do feel sorry for the women because they do face this too. More women are starting to get screwed over in family court, especially if the husband has a lot of money and can get a really good lawyer. And if she doesn't get custody of her kids, she's looked at like the scum of society because you had to do something really bad to not have your yeah. kids. So I feel sorry for them as well. It does affect them, but it's majority, you know, a dad issue. And we've got to be vigilant in that message. You can't be afraid. They'll try all kinds of tricks to make you look like you're, uh, you're an abuser and you're, you're, you're fighting against the system. They, they talk about anybody that speaks about father's rights just like they're scum. And uh, the only way you can change that is to get out there and not be afraid. Too many people are afraid to stand up for what they believe in. I'm not. So talk to me about COVID, because early on in the pandemic, we saw people, spiteful spouses, ex-spouses, trying to use COVID to get more time with kids, more uh, different kind of parental arrangements. One case, I remember there was a case in New Jersey where the father was a doctor working in the hospital and the mother, they were divorced, didn't want him to have any, any uh, visitation because he was at risk and didn't want him to, uh, to infect the kids or infect her. We've seen other cases where the, the one parent doesn't believe in masks. So the other, the other parents taking them to court to try and get full custody because they don't trust that the parent will actually follow CDC guidelines. Um, what have you been seeing in terms of COVID? Have you been seeing more cases like what I'm talking about? Because I've seen a couple. It, it, it seems crazy. But from the perspective of a vengeful spouse trying to just get as much as they can, not all that surprising. Have you been seeing anything like that and what you're coming across? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, COVID was a gift from God to the alienator that doesn't want the non-custodial parent to have that time. Uh, we started hearing from that right away. It was a trick that was used, and even the government it made it really hard. You know, you're talking about people who wasn't able to open their businesses. They weren't able to work jobs. And if you owed a little bit of money in child support, they took your stimulus checks away from you. You know, um, yeah. it has been really hard on these parents and uh it's it's not as bad now. I think more people are starting to realize what's going on. But, you know, the problem was most of the courts weren't open. So if your yeah. ex-spouse was using COVID against you, there was nothing you could do because you couldn't get a hearing on yeah. And uh, that yeah. time's not being granted back, you know. Yeah, or, or the judge COVID's isn't going into court. Maybe, maybe they rule remotely. And say, okay, well, because of we're going to issue this ruling, you lose your parental rights. But because of COVID, we will not be able to schedule an actual hearing on this ruling for another three months or something crazy like that, where you have to now wait three months to actually prove you're innocent. Now, it's 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 crazy, and and that's why for as as much as I look at this and say, hey, there's there's people out there who need help, and they're in bad situations, spouses who who need that help to get back on their feet. There's just far too many people abusing the system to possibly allow it to stay as it is. Joe, do you, do you have something you want to jump in with? I, I think that we're having a conversation about common sense, but it's, it seems that common sense is not so common. 
that even all the stories that you could tell about these fathers and the wanting to be a part of their kids' lives, that, that, that the system is stacked against them. And we, and we talk about reform, we talk about reform and, and they're talking about prison reform and let's let people out that have, have done violent crimes and let's not arrest people for breaking the law and let's, let's do all this crazy stuff. At the same time that that's happening, we're, we're seeing statistically a degradation of our society and the principal factors that are causing that are the judges and lawyers in the system that are basically stripping fathers of their ability to raise their kids. Right. We got to do something. You know, and the greatest weapon, the greatest weapon we have against that guys is what we're doing right now, bringing the awareness, letting people know what's going on. I think for so long, uh, fathers have been silent. They've, they've had to work to get through. I mean, look at the guy and how much child support he's paying his life. He's basically a slave to pay for his ex's lifestyle. Right. So they haven't been able to get that awareness out there. The more that we can talk about this, get this on different media platforms, let them know how big of an epidemic it really is. That's the greatest weapon we have because we've got to change that narrative. I mean, these guys are loving fathers. They're not abusers. If you A deadbeat is not going to go spend every penny he's got inside a family court, go through false allegation after false allegation and continue fighting to be in his kid's life. A deadbeat's not going to do continue that. Paying, not do and continue paying the alimony and the child support. And doing that, too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think alimony is criminal, honestly. I can see the, the argument for child support. There's going to be arrangements where one parent is not going to be able to be there. I mean... Um, take take my my wife, her ex husband. He's in the military. He's been gone. You know, he hasn't been able to to see him. I can understand arrangements like that. But when two parents live in the same city, ten twenty minutes away, and they can both take care of the child and help them, and they elected to go and have lives away from each other, the best interest of the child is coming together and doing what you need to do and getting over yourself. But the family law court system says there has to be a winner. Yeah. Well, and. You know? And if we and if we don't if we don't get to the bottom of what you just said, there has to be a winner. The the, the loser becomes the children, and then we just we perpetuate this problem through generations. And I think that, that yeah. what we're seeing is generational breaks from hey, we're not going to get married because it's so screwed up. They're seeing it, right? They're they're not not getting married because they don't want to get married. They they are distancing themselves from the even the desire to get married because they don't want that they don't want that drama. They don't want it, right? So right. And, and there's an online movement right now called MGTOW. A lot of people look down on them. It's a men going their own way is what it stands for. They don't believe in marriages. They don't believe in relationships. It's about being strong, independent men and not falling for those traps. And people right. look at it as like a, you know, a really uh, cultish-like movement. And it's like, guys, I don't elect to do that. I believe in marriage. I like being tied down. But at the same time, when you hear their arguments, they make a lot of sense. I understand why they're not wanting to get involved because the odds are against them, you know, and you can sit there and be the greatest spouse possible. Again, if somebody wants to leave the marriage, whether you want to or not, they can go do a little bit of everything and then just go through the system and they can wipe the floor with you. Um, it's very hard for a father to get custody. I mean, I, last week was in Wisconsin. We had uh, a gentleman whose ex paid someone to kill him, a hit man now um and she ended up paying the down payment to a cop and that's how she got caught they was about to let her I, out I remember hearing about that. was only serving yeah. 18 months 18 months now if that had been wow. him and he had paid to kill her they would have thrown what the do you book think would have happened they would have thrown the book at him yeah well, he had been under He'd never the jail see his kid. under the jail yeah 
I mean, it's crazy. You can't sit there and say, guys, you got to step up, take care of your kids and take care of responsibility when you're not letting them. They want to be fathers. They don't want to just be paychecks. We are substituting the fathers in the home for just paychecks. He's got to provide. That's all he's yeah. good for. The father instills so much discipline, knowledge. There's so many things that he offers to his kids outside of that dollar bill. You know. Yeah. So, again, we're talking with Eric Carroll, host of Dad Talk Today. We're, we're coming up against the end of our hour, but I want to give you a chance to to let people know how they can follow you, how they can listen to the podcast, where they can find it, because it's a really interesting conversation and everyone in our comment section is loving it. So I'm sure that they would like to, to go on and listen to your podcast, too. How can they find it? Guys, I'm probably unlike any other podcast out there. Usually podcasts have a set time of when they roll and what they're going to do. Uh, we've been to 25 states in the last three months talking to our legislators, putting their feet to the fire and saying, this is what's going on. What you've heard today, we're taking the message to them and saying something's got to be done about it. I mean, we're up against quite the task here, but uh, we're the biggest on Facebook. We're only a year and a half old. We've got a quarter of a million followers already over there. That's how many people are being affected by this. I'm also on YouTube. We're on Clout Hub. I really have been pushing Clout Hub. It's got a very good conservative message to it. I love the owner over there. Uh, he believes in free speech. He wants this message to get out. You can watch us over there as well. But just kind of watch out for the times. We even do a show like later on tonight. I bring on a family law attorney that comes on there and takes free questions from these guys to give them advice That's on awesome. where you need to go. Yeah, I mean, most of these guys, they can't afford to pay. They can't afford yeah. to pay. They they did. You know, the American dream is getting uh, getting married, getting the house, getting the dog, having kids. And the American dream is also what's putting these guys in that position. And when they get there, they don't have the money to fight for their kids. I was one of those guys. I didn't have the resources. So when I made Dad Talk, I made this as a podcast to help them, to give them the resources to fight back. So we'll have an attorney on tonight. You can write your questions in the comments, and he'll answer it. We've got three different attorneys that come on and do that, and they sponsor that time to help these people because they know what they're up against. So it's a little bit of a different podcast. You know, we was down at CPAC. More and more of our legislators are talking about this, guys. They're, they're catching on to it. I think times are changing. But please give us a follow over on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Don't follow me on Twitter. Go to Cloud Hub. I don't like Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said it. I was going to have to beep out the Twitter part. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. You, you can forget Twitter. Right? They, they've done it with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Eric, it, it was so great having you on. We'll have um, you on again. Really do appreciate yeah. it. Well, definitely have you on again. It, it, great conversation. Everyone really liked it. Again, Dad Talk today. You can find it in all the different platforms that Eric mentioned. Um, thank you so thank much, you, Eric, for, for stopping by. Hey, guys. All right, thank God bless you. you. And this is the, the best weapon we have, so thank you for giving it to us. Absolutely. All right. Well, have a good one. So we have another guest lined up in the second hour, attorney John Eastman. But before we go to break, Joe, you did say the word trash. And I, I, I let it go. I didn't interrupt the flow of the conversation. But nothing gets by me, man. I have these ninja-like, cat-like reflexes. I catch it. You said it twice. But we're only going to do one synonym. And we're going to start expanding because we kind of use most of the literal synonyms. So we're going to more of the figurative trash. Go ahead. Put up my screen, Mr. Producer Josh. Today's synonym is vacuous, vacuous, emptied of or lacking content, marked by a lack of ideas or intelligent intelligence, devoid of serious occupation. Hashtag the left are vacuous. Hey, 
That that is actually really good. That makes that's me a good feel one, right? good. Yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have John Eastman, attorney, on with us. Um, he's waiting in the wings, so don't go anywhere. We will be right back after this short break. Ronald Reagan famously said that our freedoms are never more than a generation away from extinction. Conservative Daily exists to make sure that never happens. With our community of 700,000 members, we fight every day to hold Congress's feet to the fire and stop them from surrendering our rights and freedoms. The fight to take this country back is not over. Please join our movement right now by going to conservative-daily.com and clicking the subscribe button to sign up for our free call to action newsletters. We have a chance to save this country, but only if we all work together. Again, this is conservative-daily.com and don't forget to hit the subscribe button at the top. 